Hello everybody and welcome back to another edition of The Christian Contrarian. I'm Gary Wayne, author of the Genesis 6 Conspiracy, and this is episode 47, and then the end will come. So today's episode is going to build a little bit on what we talked about in episode 45 on the Thief of the Knife and so many of the other things that I talk about in the show in terms of how I approach prophecy and how I approach the Bible, and it's going to underline a lot of that today. So when we talk about, and then the end will come, as I'm going to talk about, that's a key phrase in prophecy, and it, hap- and it comes up in Matthew 24, 14. And I'm going to come back to that as we walk through Matthew 24. So let me just sort of set the stage as to why I think this is so important to understand the wording and the nature of Matthew 24 because there's kind of a couple of segues of approach in terms of what Jesus said about prophecy that people tend to fall into. And one is that they tend to say that what Jesus had said about the end time is topical and not chronological. And Matthew 24 isn't therefore linear in terms of what it's describing for the question that the disciples had asked. And I fall into a category in terms of when I look at prophecy, I put everything around what Jesus said. And I look at the wording as literal, and I look at the Bible as written as linear, is that it's giving you the order and it's self-explanatory, and even Revelation is linear, and everything makes sense if you put all prophecy around what Jesus said, including the linear nature of Revelation. And all that, we're going to see how that sort of fits in today as we walk through uh, Matthew 24. And it's important to also understand that I think that you can get a further meaning in terms of my approach. You can get a further meaning in taking the English translation words back to the Hebrew Bible, and I encourage people to do that, understanding that Hebrew in the Old Testament and Greek in the New Testament can have several different meanings. So you want to make sure that you're applying the right meaning that fits with the narrative, the sentence, and doesn't contradict with any other prophecy. So that's kind of the test to keep you sort of going and not following uh, into some of the pit pitfalls of saying, hey, I like this meaning, but then it doesn't really fit with another verse, because everything in prophecy has to fit like a glove. And when you put everything around what Jesus said, things kind of fit. And this is kind of one of those things that will start to demystify how you approach prophecy if you just follow the chronology that Jesus provides in Matthew 24 and Mark 13 and Luke 17 and 21. And then what I do with Mark and Luke is I put that on top of what Matthew is talking about in his book that Jesus said as additional details, because you'll find a few additional details that is very, very helpful when you, when you do that. And so everything sort of falls in place and you won't find any, any contradictions. So we're going to talk about a few words and we're going to take those back to the Greek so that you understand what is being written is what your eyes are reading. It doesn't have to be reimagined. Uh, 
It doesn't have to be reinterpreted. Jesus was very, very clear in the words that he was using and how it was recorded in Greek uh, in, in, in the Gospels and in the other uh, parts of the New Testament. So we can be assured that Jesus being the Word of God and the Spirit of Prophecy is giving us what we need and he's answering the questions without needing some sort of mystical degree in interpretation and reimagining what Jesus said. So I'm not trying to be critical there of other approaches. My approach is to just simply follow what our Redeemer says and put everything around what he said and things start to make sense and that may help you and a lot i know it certainly helped me get over a lot of the issues and if people disagree with some of my conclusions it's probably because they use a little bit different approach and for example and we're going to touch on it today you have to apply all prophecies to judah and israel as they are stated as they're literally stated so judah has different prophecies in israel sometimes they're combined together and those are different than from the church and from the saints and we need to understand that particularly when we're talking about jesus who's talking to both he's talking to israel he's talking to judah and he's also talking to the soon to come church so in matthew 24 3 when it opens up the disciples come to jesus and they're concerned about some of the things that Jesus talk, is talking about and they want some clarifications and what they're going to ask in Matthew 24 3 is is when will these things be and they're talking about the end time and I'm going to cover that off in just a second in terms of how we know that but I want to focus on that word when and that's the Greek word apota 4219 and when they ask when shall these things be, it's how long as it's defined, pota in Greek, and at what time. They want to get very, very specific with Jesus as to when these things are going to take place that he's talking about and at what time and how long it will be for that. And they're also asking what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world. And so again, that is the Greek word for what is tis, T-I-S, and it means what, who, which, what, or why. So it's like putting one of the five W's in front of the question as opposed to the specific nature of, of when the poda is. And so they're wanting to know, and I think the translation is accurate here, is what will be the sign of your coming? And what will be the sign of the end of the world? And that's the end of the age, the end time. And so the question is very, very specific. And they weren't asking sort of topical. They're asking when, how, and what will be the sign. So they want some very specific answers to this. And Jesus goes on and he provides that to him. And when we're talking about or when they're asking for what is the sign of the coming and the end of the world, that is the Greek word ihon, which means end of the age or eternity or a period, as opposed to the world as being cosmos as part of the greater universe. So this is more of a time thing in the end of the world, the end of the age, in the end time or the latter days as, as it's described in the Bible. And so in Matthew 24, 5, verses 5 and 6, Jesus starts to explain to them that uh, 
Um, you, and in verse 4 as well, as that, do not be deceived because many are going to come in his name. So there's going to be a period that we need to be patient for when there will be many deceivers and there will be wars and rumors of war, but the, but the end is not yet. And this leads into verse 7, which are the birth pain, birth pangs, which are earthquakes, pestilence, and famine, which go along with wars and rumors of war. So all of this is going to be happening, but the end is not yet. Okay, so it's, it's talking about sort of a linear nature here that it's starting to build on and that these birth pangs are going to have to take place because in verse 8 it says all these are the beginning of sorrows or the beginning of birth pangs as you take that back to Greek and other applications throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the beginning is the Greek word arche, which means commencement, origin, or begins. So again, so all these things are the beginning. So these are words of a linear nature, which is going to become very, very clear um, in a few moments. And these things are happening in an order, not just topical, but also in an order. And it's linear as, he's, as, as he is laying that out. And so as we move on to verse uh, 9 and uh on it says in verse 24 in 24 9 it says and then and that's the Greek word tote and this is one of those key sort of words to understand as we're talking about Matthew 24 and what is happening in terms of the the, the text and the language and that means then at that time and so this is when something is going to happen or thereafter something is going to happen and that's after the beginning of the birth pangs and the birth pangs as you get into further into the prophecy in 24 32 through verse 35 is the fig tree generation which is an overarching sign that this generation will pass and all of his words will be fulfilled all of jesus will words will be fulfilled in the fig tree generation that he's talking about. So we're getting the time that they asked for. There's a specific generation, and I think that begins with Jerusalem. And within the generation, we don't know when, we don't know how long that generation is. It could be seven years, it could be 120 years, and it could actually be less than those years. And so we need to be understanding the seasons, and we need to understand all of the signs and get it in the right order so that we're not going to be deceived or deceive other people, which we want to be very, very careful of. So after the birth pangs begin, and the birth pangs are going to get stronger, so we're going to see the birth pangs over and over and over with the same earthquakes, famine, pestilence, wars, and rumors of war, and continuing into the fig tree generation. So after the beginning of the birth pangs. And this is the time in, um, in, in Matthew where he talks about that after the birth pangs is that people will become afflicted. And that is the word is, that derives from the Greek Philippis, which means 
tribulation or affliction or t trouble. So as you're seeing the trouble of Jacob, that happens in the last three and a half years. And Th Philippians is tribulation. And it's the same word that you have tribulation uh, mentioned further on in Matthew and in Mark. But at this time, the translators have used the word Philippians, which means tribulation. And this is not the tribulation of the last three and a half years. And we're going to touch on that in a minute, what I'm talking about there. But this is the tribulation that is described in Revelation. That the, the first fruits of Revelation 6 are told to wait for those martyrs who will die in Jesus' name in the tribulation of the saints, not the tribulation of the world, which we'll talk about uh, after the midpoint of the, of, of the last seven years. And they will kill you, and they will hate you for Jesus' name. So as the birth pangs begin, and as Israel... Uh, the visible nation of Judah is in Israel. As this starts to intensify, expect the persecution to come. And that's why we're starting to see, I think, Christians being isolated and will be anti-world and will be said to be hate speakers and all sorts of horrible things because they're preparing to persecute us and preparing the population to persecute us for the sake of Jesus' name and the testimony that we're going to uphold for them. So our testimony has to be true and it has to be accurate and it has to be credible. And then, at that time, people will betray you during the time of the, of the, of the persecution. As the birth pangs are getting stronger, after the opening of the seals, your Friends, your relatives, people, your neighbors will betray you as enemies of the state. Those not worthy to evolve into godhood in the universal religion which has come up before the start of the last seven years. So then, at that time. And then it uses another word, and, which means also, even so, and also then. And at that time... False prophets will arise. So you're going to be betrayed. We're going to be persecuted. We have the birth pangs going on. And we have a rise of these pro false prophets at a time when God's prophets are going to be out there as well. And I'll touch on that in a second. So it's going to be difficult to choose. So we need to understand who is telling us the truth. The false prophets and to identify the true prophets. And... At that time, and even so, love will grow cold and iniquity will abound. And this is the tribulation of the saints that are to be fulfilled as part of the first fruits, those who are martyred in Jesus' name. And we're told about love growing cold and iniquity in verse 12. And then in verse 13, we get another linear and an important message, a linear important message that says, but those who endure till the end will be saved. So there's going to be this persecution that Jesus is talking about. He's preparing us for it. But he's telling us to endure and hang on to the word of God. And if you do, you are going to be saved. And you need to endure to the end, until the end time actually begins the last three and a half years or shortly into it, and before the wrath bowls are poured out because we're going to be saved from the wrath. 
And so there's, an, and there's a linear nature to the warning that Jesus is providing and the important information that we need to endure through the tribulation and testify in Jesus' name for Jesus. And we will be killed. We will be persecuted. It's part of the tribulation that we're going to be going through. And then we move on to verse 14, which is a huge, important passage because that's where the end that we talked about which entitles this this uh, this episode comes up it says and so at that time at the time of the birth pangs at the time of the persecution at the time of the false prophets the gospel must be preached to the ends of the earth to everybody on earth and then the end will come so after the preaching, and it's not the church, just the church is taking God's word to all ends of the earth, but that's not the prophecies that were provided. It's part of the mix and part of our commission, but the pro prophetic side says that there will be other prophets. So you have those who are going to preach for three and a half years. You're going to have the two witnesses that show up in Revelation 11 and are killed by the one who comes up, up, up out of the abyss in Revelation 9. And their commission is for three and a half years, the first three and a half years. And they're going to prophesy in opposition and as, as a comparative nature to all these other false prophets that are out there. And people are going to hate them because they're not going to be telling them the lies and the things that they want to hear that the false prophets are telling them. And they're going to celebrate as if it was Christmas when the two witnesses are slain before they're taken up as part of the first fruits of the resurrection. That happens in Revelation 11. And in Revelation uh, 6, we have, Revelation 7, we have the 144,000 that are going to go out. And they're going to evangelize and awaken Israel. And they're going to be prophesying and teaching the gospel to the world. 144,000 from the tribes of Israel. And we see them in Revelation 14. And we, we look at that as probably being martyred saints because they're shown in heaven after their three and a half year commission in Revelation 14 and called first fruits. So first fruits, Christ's first fruits. And then when he comes, those who died in Jesus' name but weren't martyred and those who are still alive. Of course, there's a few resurrections after that in terms of uh, the ones who refuse to take the mark and don't worship Satan and Antichrist. And you also have the resurrection of Ezekiel 37 for um, Israel and Judah, which is uh, a second half event, even though we're starting to approach the second half here. So all of this has to happen before the end will come. And that happens in Revelation 14. And one other gospel preaching is going to go on to make sure there's no excuse. An angel will circle the earth in, in Revelation 14 and will preach the gospel. So we have the 144,000, we have the two witnesses, and we have a specific angel. And Revelation 14, after that, will provide you the summary for the last three and a half years when the end will come. 
and then all the details thereafter in Revelation 15 and the bold judgments and 16 and the supper in 19 and Armageddon in Revelation 20. And so the first fruits are taken to, the, to heaven after the first three and a half years by the chronology that's laid down. And then that starts to match up with what is, what is going on with Matthew 24 as it's moving forward in the chronology because verse 15, after 14, when you have the preaching done, you have the abomination when Antichrist comes to power and he reigns for three and a half years. And it says, when, and it's the Greek word hoten, which means when, whenever, as soon as, which is more specific than... Um, then tote, this is whenever you see or as soon as you see, when you see the abomination, let the reader understand. This is what the prophet Daniel is talking about. This is when Judea will recognize, visible Judah will recognize that they've been deceived by the false religion and by Antichrist and they will flee to the wilderness. This is the time of Revelation 12, again before Revelation 14 with the three and a half year point starting to take place after Revelation 14 and you get that summary at the end of Revelation 14 of those three and a half years. This is Revelation 12. So this prophecy in Revelation 12 is misconstrued by so many people, but it's talking about Israel and when they're fleeing to the wilderness to be protected for three and a half years, the last three and a half years. So at the midpoint, they're going to flee. And then there will be an exodus where visible Judah around the world and awaken Israel will be taken to meet them and in Ezekiel 37 will to take place. But again, when? So as soon as you see, after all of those events talked about in the first three and a half years, the abomination takes place. And we know the abomination takes place at the midpoint because in Daniel 9.27 and Daniel 12, it tells us that. It's at the midpoint, at the three and a half year point. And then after the abomination, for then, then at that time, there will be a great tribulation of the world that has not seen since the beginning, the word Arca again, and the origin, since the origin of the world, not the tribulation of the saints that is recorded in the first three and a half years and in Revelation 7. This is the tribulation of the world. This is when the bold judgments are going to take place and Armageddon is going to happen and the whole mystery of God is going to be fulfilled. As we go past the abomination and Antichrist is crowned in the temple and he's going to reign for 42 months. Three and a half years. So again, the timing is there and Jesus is is giving us that timing. And in Matthew 24, there will be great tribulation, not of the saints, and it's that linear nature, for then. And then in verse 23, it says, if anyone says, this is Christ, believe them not, because this is going to be the time of Antichrist is revealed that Second Thessalonians talks about. And after the apostasy that happens in the first three and a half years, the falling away and the rise of the religion, and then people are gathered when they see Antichrist calling himself God in the temple in Jerusalem. And at the time of the abomination in Revelation 12 that we talked about, I'll come back to that in a second. I'm jumping a little bit ahead. But um, verse 23 says, 
And then, thereafter, if anyone sees false Christ, believe not. So after the abomination, after all of those other events, and then false Christ and false prophets will deceive the elect if that were possible. So they're going to believe that Antichrist is the Messiah with the false Armageddon that happens in Revelation 9 towards the midpoint of the last three and a half years that Antichrist rides the power on and takes credit for winning. That's Joel 1 and 2 and Ezekiel 38 and 39. That's the same war. And then in verse 29, it says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun darkens. And the sun darkens is Revelation 16, part of the bold judgment, the darkening of the beast empire, not the sun darkening in Revelation 9, that's World War III, the false Armageddon and, Armageddon, and not in the seal judgments. This is the birth pangs getting stronger, and the darkening will be more as it goes. It will get stronger. And the powers of heaven are shaken. The powers, dunamis is part of the hierarchy of the angels. And this is the time of Revelation 12's war that is going to send down the angels, uh, fallen angels, down to the earth with Satan in the war in heaven after Judea flees. So they're down and in place after the, the powers have been shaken. And then as we move into verse 30, and then at that time, we'll see the sign of Jesus as it appears. And the Son of Man coming in the clouds. When the trumpet blasts, at the last trumpet. And this is when the rapture happens. So after the first fruits, so after the midpoint, after the abomination. And then at that time, the sign of Jesus appears. Jesus is very consistent, as you're seeing, with those words all the way through. And this is before the wrath bowl, so before Revelation 16. So in that time frame of what's going on with the fall of Babylon, the rise of Antichrist, and the bold judgments that are going to include Armageddon, that is going to be the year of the Lord. That's the last year. The day of the Lord is a year, as in the weeks of the year for the last seven years. And the year of the Lord's wrath, the wrath bulls. And that's what we're going to be saved from. And the rapture is going to happen before the year of the Lord's favor. That's talked about in Luke and in, in Isaiah, where the, the Israelite, awakened Israelites are freed from the prisons in the year of the Lord's favor. So you got two years. So sometime after the midpoint, but before the year of the Lord's favor, when Jesus will take Israel to um, Exodus and meet up with Judea, who has, uh, has already fled and been protected in the wilderness, is when the rapture will happen. And, and, he, and God will send his angels to gather the elect, not just the Exodus as the elect or the chosen people of Judea, as a lot of people will tell you that they're only talking about the Jewish people. But the bride is made up of the Jewish people, the Israelites, and the church. And so Israel is going to be brought back into being the bride through accepting Jesus with his sign as the one that they mourned, just as Israel will accept Jesus and they will follow him in Exodus, but after the rapture. 
And so the elect is also used many times throughout the New Testament for the saints, for the church. So the elect is both. And that will happen the, both the exodus and the rapture in time for the supper of the bride. So the bride is united as one for uh, the husband, which is, which is Jesus, and then comes Armageddon. So you see how this timing fits together if you just let it. And so I just want people to sort of think about how Matthew 24 is written in terms of then and when and ands and the meaning of that then at that time and 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 as even so at that time and when which is more specific which is as soon as you see this so those words in in greek if i said hebrew earlier i apologize in greek are very very important to understand that application and how it de denotes this linear nature and you're seeing how as I walk through this, how it's laying out the chronology of Revelation over top of what Jesus said, which is what you need to do. Just as when I talked about 2 Thessalonians 2, that lays on to this chronology perfect. And you'll find that all the prophecies will lay overlay onto Matthew 24 perfectly. And when you add in the additional information that Mark provides and Luke provides, then everything fits like a glove. And so if, if you would like a little bit more information on and then the end will come, uh, get a hold of me through my website at the genesis6conspiracy.com and there's an icon there where you can contact me and just ask for the, uh, and the end, and then the end will come document, I'll send it to you. And if you want sort of the 10 sort of bullet points on how I approach prophecy, I, you, you ask for that as well and I'll send it because it also helps you in the approach for uh, just reading the Bible in particular um, because everything is consistent in terms of how it's laid out and there's markers where there's things that are out of place let's say for like let's say for like the uh, prophets um, they're in a separate book but they give you the markers and the dates where they fit in just as Revelation does with the details that come after Revelation 14. So until next time, may God bless you abundantly and looking forward to talking to you again in a couple of weeks.